Welcome to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley. A familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips, and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Hello, 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 and welcome to my very first show of 2018. Yes, actually, I've been doing this in 2011 on radio. Kind of crazy, huh? Well, I am very excited. It is a new year, and I'm open. You know, if you guys want to call in, this is a live show. I travel a lot. I was actually in Canada last week, and I'll explain what I was doing there. We don't always have live shows, and if you want to call in, please call 866-472-5795. So I'm going to talk a little bit about resolutions and what we've kept and not kept, and I really want to ask you, going into this new year, do you have a different feel about life? You know, I got to say, I do. I don't know why. But I always hesitate starting off the year. In fact, I I had a Facebook post yesterday. My dad died yesterday, 18 years ago. And, you know, it's it's funny when when things change. People always say, I want things to change. Well, the crazy thing is they don't always change for the good. Changes change. Um, And so you've got to take the good with the bad. And I'm doing Forbes Factor this weekend. So if you guys are within range, ForbesFactorLive.com. And one of the things that we talk about in my thought going into 2018 is that life happens for you, not to you. So bad things happen to everybody. They just do. People die. People get sick. You lose a job. Uh, it just things happen. And if you truly believe that, and not that everything happens for a reason, that's a, an odd catchphrase that we like to, to drift off and say, but that you look at what has happened and you come up with the reason and go, wow. Maybe this happened, I missed a flight because, you know, I missed a flight on 9-11. I was, I have a ticket on Flight United 93. I was, you know, it was, a, it was delayed late that night and all kind of crazy things. And I got rerouted through Denver and didn't leave from Washington. Well, that was a good thing. And I, I understand that. Uh, I'm going back to Mandalay Bay where everything happened in October. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, ways that people look at things. And it's, it's about just to get, everything's about mindset, and that is what I'm ser- seriously focused on for 2018, how to have this positive communal mindset. Now, to that end, I've got a very special, I've got a couple of guests, a little different than what you would normally expect from Forbes Factor. We always talk about health, wealth, and happiness, but building a tribe, a community, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook or in reality, is really, really important. Now, many of you may or may not know, but I was very connected to Los Angeles politics back in 1991. Uh, an unknown woman was running for state senate. It's almost 26 years ago. Her name was Barbara Boxer. And I was very instrumental in helping her with an entire campaign get elected. And that was an extraordinary experience to be part of, of history that way. And to truly see what grassroots campaigning is and listening to people. Well, my first guest is an author of an award-winning book. And it's called For the Love of Cities, The Love Affair Between People and Their Places. Loving Where You Live. Uh, and Creating Emotional Engaging Places was his second book. And he, he's a sought-after community development consultant. And we talk about grassroots because grassroots is basically people. And so often we just forget that it is all about how you serve people. Now, if you are wondering how does this might apply to you, well, in your business, I will tell you, the more people you serve, the more you get, right? So would everybody give a big rousing round of applause to Mr. Peter Kagiyama? How are you? I'm doing great, Forbes. How are you today? 
Uh, you know, it's good. I just came back from Canada where it was minus 30. I stood outside in front of Niagara Falls and froze my fingers off. It makes you, so makes I, you appreciate the, the Florida weather. Absolutely. Well, we don't like to tell people in the rest of the country how beautiful it is here in St. Petersburg because they're liable to flock here and the traffic is already bad enough. Uh, it's, a, it's a secret that's already out there. I keep spreading the word about what a great city uh, St. Petersburg is. But, uh, you know, the more the merrier. Well, that's very sweet. So, now, Peter, talk, talk to everybody a little bit about how you got to where you are, what your focus has been that allows you to really kind of focus on cities, what that means. Sure. Um, I'm the beneficiary of a good liberal arts education. Um, actually, uh, went to law school, practiced law for a couple of years, and hated it. Um, I end up working in the tech field uh, for a while, end up going into marketing as well, so I'm a little bit all over the place. And about 15 years ago, um, I got introduced to a gentleman by the name of Richard Florida, who had written a book at the time called Rise of the Creative Class. And Richard was talking about the importance of creative people in places. And that may seem very obvious today, but think about 15 years ago, that really wasn't the case. Um, so I got to meet Richard, and my, uh, my colleagues here in Tampa Bay were very excited about this idea about creative people and how they mattered to economies. And so we formed an organization called Creative Tampa Bay. I eventually become the president of that organization. One thing leads to another. I start working you know, locally. I start working nationally. And it was a trip in 2007 when I went to Detroit, and I met some people there that totally changed the way I thought uh, about cities. And I realized what was the missing piece uh, in all of this was this love and emotional connection with our places. Because in 2007, I met these people in Detroit who were absolutely still in love with that messed up city. And I realized that, you know, as long as there were people like that who still loved uh, that place, that city would never truly fail. And I realized that was uh, something that nobody was really talking about. And that became the, the, the seed and the genesis uh, of the book, that I, the first book that I eventually wrote in uh, 2011. Okay, so I'm a city girl. I grew up in Long Island, Oceanside, about 30 miles outside of Manhattan, which to me was and still is probably one of the greatest exciting cities ever. I was, couldn't wait to move uh-huh. there and explore. Uh, what is it about city? You know, and then I'll go out to the rural areas. Let me tell you, we were out in Canada, and you could drive for miles and not see a house anywhere, and, I'm, and it was freezing. I'm like, how do people live out here? So what is it about people and cities that they love so much? Well, cities are places where we interact, where things actually, you know, uh, happen. It, it is, cities magnify transactions. You know, you go downtown and there are, you know, you're, 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 you're shopping, you're interacting with people, you're seeing things. Um, so cities tend to be this crucible that magnify all of that. And we, of course, as human beings, we are drawn towards activity. You know, uh, we're endlessly fascinated with simply watching each other. And what better place to actually do that than in these magnificent cities. Certainly part of the charm of New York is simply people watching. I mean, there's that whole, uh, that whole uh, uh, series, The People of New York. I mean, why is that interesting? Because we are, we are as human beings, we're fascinated with each other. So cities uh, become these magnifying glasses for our natural inclinations, which is we are pack animals. We are tribal animals, and we want to come together, and we find those reasons to interact with each other. Well, I love it. I just find that's where culture is. And, that, and then, of course, then I moved out to another crazy city called Los Angeles. And that is a city in search of a city. That is the most bizarre city I've ever been to. Because well, there's no... Yeah, think about the design of Los Angeles and what that does. And, and you have made two very clear juxtapositions. New York is a walking city. 
Los Angeles is a driving city. And because it is a driving city, we get in our cars and we isolate ourselves. And then we wonder where the city is. Well, the city is technically all around us, but we feel very disconnected from it because we're sitting in our cars. Versus when we walk down the street in Manhattan, we feel very present and very much part of that city. That's interesting. You know, it's funny because I shared last night, uh, my dad passed away in New York City, um, and I had walked, you know, every 20 blocks is a mile in New York City, and I'd walked from uh-huh. Sloan Kettering Hospital up in the 80s all the way down to see the ball drop in Times Square, which I'd never done live, and uh, it was, I was grateful for the city because there was an energy and a, and a feel and a vibe that didn't keep me feeling isolated. It was kind of funny. I remember being grateful to New York City that, that night. Kind of Very funny, interesting. No? Uh, I had a similar experience a few years ago. My mother passed away on December 30th, and the next day, uh, my, my now fiancé and I went to, uh, and this is in Akron, Ohio, and we went downtown to be amongst people and, and to feel that. And I think there is something about, you know, that, that tribal, you mentioned the word tribal uh, in, in the introduction, is we are, you know, part of this tribe. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And what better place, uh, again, than in a city? Now, you are offering to give our audience a free book. Tell me what's in the book. (laughs) Uh, The books are about love and emotional engagement uh, with our places. Why it's a good thing for more people to fall in love with their cities. And and that seems kind of like an obvious sort of thing. It's like, yeah, love matters. But most of our audience, your audience here, I mean, you're talking about uh, relationships, personal relationships, professional relationships, and I bet they've spent a lot of time thinking about those, as they should. But when was the last time they stopped and thought about the relationships that they have with their place? Probably not often, if ever. And, you know, an unexamined relationship, it can go stale, it can go bad. So the first thing we have to do is recognize, hey, we are actually in a relationship with our places. You know, and it is a two-way thing. It's not just about what cities can do for us. We have to ask the question, what can we as citizens do for the places that we live in? And that does sort of change the dynamic and the way we fundamentally think and hopefully the way we act in our places. Okay, so I've got about two more minutes to a break for some of my favorite sponsors, but my question is, so what can you tell us? Give me three tips. What can I do to interact better with where I live? Walk. Get out and walk your city. Even walk your neighborhood. Um, Most of us will reflexively get in our cars even just to go a few blocks just out of habit. But if we can make it into a bit more of a habit, we walk, we see something, um, we're much more likely to to discover something there. When we think about how do we make our cities better, start small. Most people want to start really big and they have these great ideas uh, about how they might fix their city. Great, but they take lots of time, lots of money, lots of energy. How about we start really small? Maybe something hyper-local that starts in our own block, maybe in our own backyard. That's something uh, cool. And then the other thing is just go out and actually introduce yourself to somebody. Build a little bit of social capital. I bet most people don't know their neighbor's name. That's probably true. If you at least knew their name, you might just go beyond the hey neighbor kind of thing, and who knows where that escalates. You know, and part of that maybe is a dog. Dogs are fantastic for creating social capital. People will talk to each other because they have a dog and they break the ice, and dog parks are incredibly social places in our community. So walk more, um, you know, start small, and maybe buy a dog. That would be a, three good places to start. Well, so actually I love that. Now, question for you. You are getting married, yes? I'm getting married in November, yes. Congratulations. How did you know that she was the right one? Um, that's a good question. How does one, anyone ever really know it's the right one? I think it is a question of timing uh, there, place, uh, all that stuff. Uh, that's a good question. I don't usually get asked that kind of question uh, about cities. But um, I think it was, uh, it was, she saw me, the person that I actually sort of became 
you know, in the last few years. I think that, that's the, the best way to put it. She helped me become uh, this emotionally engaged person, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. Well, I love it. All right, we're going we're gonna to bring Peter back. We've got a, a couple of trivia questions. We'll give away some books, and uh, we're going away in one minute. Um, this is an interesting topic, and it's an interesting conversation. I'm actually looking at, at finding a new house, and you do become very aware of streets and signs and how people take care of mm-hmm. them where they live. So I appreciate this insight. Uh, it's not just about us. It's about where we live and what we give to other people. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Forbes Riley on The Forbes Factor, first show of 2018. Don't go away. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If you hate going to the gym but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Listening to the Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. So, hey, one of the things you guys might want to call in or reach out to me on Facebook because that's where most of my audience seems to connect with me. Where do you live? Do you choose to live in a rural area? in a suburban area, in a, a city area. And I'll tell you what, it's different folks, you know, different strokes for different folks. I'm, I'm very drawn towards water. So for me, it was New York, LA, and now it's St. Petersburg, Florida, where there's water everywhere. Uh, and St. Petersburg is a city, but a little bit smaller than the ones I'm used to. So Peter, you also live right here in St. Pete, yes? Yes, I do. Downtown. What, what drew you? Actually, I started downtown as well. What drew you to this city? Well, originally, like most people, I ended up here because I followed a girl. Um, not the one I'm going to, I'm not gonna, getting married to. That's a separate story. But like most people, we don't end up, we end up in places, you know, we, we follow a significant other, we get a job, we go to school there. So, you know, we don't rare, you know, we rarely sort of choose a place. But I end up staying here, I think, in St. Petersburg because of the things that I've, I've written about, that it's walkable, it's connected. There's a fantastic arts and cultural scene here. There's a, there's a great local restaurant uh, scene here uh, as well. You mentioned the water. Now, that's important. I mean, you know, the, the, the ability to visually see beauty uh, like that, fantastic uh, there. Other people want to see mountains, you know. Uh, other people want to see, you know, uh, trees and more, and more flowers. Uh, but uh, the importance of beauty uh, there. And, um, yeah, and I, I think just a really walkable, interesting 
you know, vibrant uh, city, which, you know, in Florida, it's hard to do walkable well. St. Petersburg does walkable incredibly well. You know, this is a bit of an homage because I've lived here now for 11 years. Of course, home shopping is down here and I do a lot of uh, a lot of broadcasting there. And I built my own TV production studio here, which I need to invite you to since you're a neighbor. Um, yes. And I will tell you, I, there's a charm here. Well, I used to come down to Tampa. My, my aunt lived in Tampa, and we used to come down, but I don't think we came over to this part. We have some of the whitest beaches, and I'll do a little bit of a, you know, a little plug for this, but this is a great place. I've got people flying in from all over tonight for a three-day event I do called Forbes Factor Live, which is a very emotional transformation. And I will tell you, one of the things I love about our city is the airport. There is no other airport oh, I've yeah. ever been in. Get off the plane. And by the time you get your luggage, it's down there. In L.A., it's a 45-minute wait, and then it's a two-hour drive anywhere you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as somebody who travels a lot as well, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, infrastructure like that that really works well, we absolutely do appreciate. And when you compare it to other, you know, airports that you go to, you go, man, that's really good. And you're absolutely right. And, you know, all the renovations that they're doing there, it's only going to get better. So I have a lot of entrepreneurs who follow this show, and I want to leave them with a thought that how you do what you do with regard to cities, how does that also translate to business? Yeah, it does. Because if you think about it, citizens, uh, you, you want them to love uh, their city. You, you want your customers, you want your clients to love you as well. And of course, you know, part of that is you have to do your job. You know, you know uh, X's and O's, blocking and tackling. Whatever it is your business in, you need to do that and you need to do it well. But where you actually create that love for uh, a business or a love for a place is oftentimes in those small things, those things that are often, you know, sort of at the you know, almost seen as maybe an afterthought, those small touches of beauty, of whimsy, of, uh, of surprise and delight. Those are the things that people will remember and that make them smile, and that will ultimately lead to this stronger emotional connection. So I'd say to our business owners, says, yes, do your job, do it well, but then think about how do I make my customer smile? How do I make them happy? How do I surprise them with something that they didn't even expect from us? Because, you know, we're, we're an accountancy firm. Okay, but maybe we do something that's like, wow, that's cool. And that same kind of moment that we have in our, our cities, we can have in that relationship that we have with our businesses. And then I think things get really interesting. That becomes a loyal customer, a loyal citizen, a loved citizen as well. You know, it's very funny. I've got a, a couple of books coming out, but I've got a new one that I started with an amazing ghostwriter. She's just better at this comp topic than I am. And I've known of her for a long time. She's coming down actually tonight. And I opened the mail and she'd sent me this beautiful quill pen, like a feather ink pen. And I thought, what a great mm -hmm. way to start a new relationship with a client by being that thoughtful and setting it off in the right direction. So I appreciate you saying Absolutely. that, how you treat your customers. Well, Peter, it was a pleasure. Nice, we've got five nice symbolism, here, right? too. I'm sorry? <laughs> I said nice symbolism, too, with the pen. Good luck with that book. Yeah, I, uh, you know what? It's, uh, it, it, I, can't, I don't want to share the topic just yet because it's a one-word topic, and I truly believe we have an amazing New York Times bestseller here. And thinking of books, you have, a, you have been very generous, going to give uh, five listeners books, and what you've requested mm -hmm. is that they go to the podcast on iTunes for Forbes Factor and leave us a comment. And even though you don't live in a city, but leave us a comment about what you love about where you live. I will give books to the first five comments. I know that gets very, very busy there, so make sure you go to the podcast on iTunes if you're not a subscriber. Really? All right, Peter, thank you so very much. Here's to an awesome 2018, and I look forward to connecting downtown at one of those amazing restaurants that you know so well. Absolutely. Thanks, Forbes. All right. Bye-bye, baby. So, you know, so that's an interesting conversation. One of the things that I love about having this platform is – 
that you get to meet people outside of your comfort zone. I, I have a friend of mine who's helping me book some amazing guests. I mean, I know who I know and very much in the television, health and fitness world. And I always bring those to you, but I'm enjoying this part of the other side of my brain. In fact, in college, I was a poli sci major. So uh, I get to put some of those skills to good use. Hey, speaking of that, starting off 2018 in the correct way, I also have something free for all of my listeners. It is uh, one of the most amazing journeys. Can you imagine losing about 12 pounds in three weeks, literally 21 days? Oh, wait, but there's no diet. I guarantee there's no diet, and I guarantee that you will lose weight. Yeah, that's why I'm giving it to you for free. Hard to wrap your head around, but everybody who's just gone through this program yet again online, I just started putting it online. I want you to grab a pen and go to free and fun, spell out the word and, so free and fun weight loss. Two words that you've never had associated with weight loss. It's free and a whole lot of fun. People are getting happy. They're losing weight. There is no diet. In fact, if you guys want to jump on a call with us, if you go to free and fun weight loss, we'll, we'll give you an upcoming phone number. Once a week, I jump on the phone and I talk to people uh, on a Zoom call so you can see everybody's faces. And it's outstanding. People who never thought they could have this kind of quality of life are doing amazing with what I call the eat journal, a journal for what you eat and for, yeah, what's eating you. So, you know, that's been a struggle for me my whole life, uh, even though I run around on TV in spandex. Ah, now, I don't want to get my next guest way too excited about that. He is, so, <laughs> so one of the things when you venture into this world about creating courses, creating books like Peter's done, and I encourage so many of my, my students to do this, is what do you own? What is this really weird thing called intellectual property, or short for IP? Let me tell you something. There's a lot of value in your thoughts, in the fact that you can commit your thoughts to paper, and when you put it in a book or on the website, what you own, two things can happen. One, it can, it can afford you great wealth and happiness, or two, it can be a source of insane misery if you didn't secure it properly and somebody walks away with your idea. So to that end, I want you to introduce the author of Ownability, How Intellectual Property Works. Now, he's a tech lawyer way up there in San Francisco, but he also has offices here in Tampa. It's my local show today. And he talks about emerging companies and IP. And I will tell you, everybody in my world is encouraged to write a book. I've got chapter books where people just do chapters, but you want to know what you own, please give a warm welcome to Mr. Brent Britton. Hello, Forbes. Ah, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Fine. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. Now, are you here on the East Coast or West Coast? I'm in, uh, I'm in Tampa today. I'm uh, back from San Francisco. I was out back in December. I try to get there every couple of months, have quite a few clients out there on the ground, but spend most of my time here in Tampa. Well, I can publicly invite you to, uh, I'm doing my Forbes Factor Live this weekend, which is a very deep dive emotionally to get people unstuck. And we're having a, a big cocktail networking party on Thursday night. I'm going to publicly extend an invitation to you, and I'll do that privately as well. Oh, please do. Thank you. I could use some unsticking. Ah, well, this is, uh, I'll tell you what, this is the most powerful thing people have ever experienced. I've got a 100% success rate, and wow. To really? that end, oh yeah, no, it's, um, it is, it, it's, it's, you know, the only person who ever does anything like this might be a Tony Robbins, but wow. there's no woman, there's no woman on the planet who does this kind of work in public. Well, color me, uh, color me intrigued. Good, I love that. All right, so let's talk about entrepreneurs. Now, this is a crazy thing. I'm going to start out with my story. So I have this thing called a spin gym, right? And yep. eight or nine years ago, it doesn't have a name, and we're coming up with one. And when I found spin gym, I'm like, oh, man, that's a perfect thing. This little disc spins, and it's a gym in your pocket. And I start calling it that. Well, I then get enrolled to shoot an infomercial and a reality show at the same time. 
And I come to find out like the day before we're going to shoot this, because I looked up the trademark, and if people don't realize know what that is, you can go online and look up to see if somebody already has your name. Well, nobody had it, so I kept moving forward and moving forward. And I come to find out the day before we're ready to shoot that, in fact, somebody not owns the name. They don't really make a big public, but they've owned – here's what happened. I found out somebody owns the name. I call them, and the answer on the phone was – because I'm like, hey, can I get the trademark for this? And they said, no. We have 900 <laughs> trademarks and 9,000 URLs, and we don't give up any of them. Yeah. And, and you cannot use the name that you love. Excuse me? Yeah. So that – I didn't know this, so I'm going to say for every entrepreneur out there, now ultimately, by the way, they turned out to be the most amazing company, and we arranged for a deal, and I'm grateful as all get out to this company for helping. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that outcome. That's the way most disputes should end, in my opinion, especially in the trademark space. Let me tell you, it was, I I gave them a great argument, and by the way, it took me a while, it was not easy to do, to convince them, and that's why I teach how to pitch but I'm grateful to them beyond get out because what ultimately happened was my eight-year-old daughter, eight, six-year-old daughter at the time, called on my lap and said, Mom, I don't know why you're going to call it a go-yo or a spin, but it's, it's a spin gym. And I'm like, oh, McKenna. Oh, oh. And I told <laughs> that story to them, and I think I touched their heart and came from a place of real honesty. So what are the big pitfalls that entrepreneurs fall into when they're starting a new venture, do you think? So here's you, you, you've, you've touched on the, the first one. The primary one is naming. You can't form a company without naming it. You've got to tell the Secretary of, the, of State in your particular state, whether it's Florida or, or Delaware or where have you, what to call the company. And, of course, it's ideal if the name of the company is more or less the same as the name of the product and the name of the domain name. And so it's nice, you know, just b- before you even start, you have to think about naming and you have to think about what you ran into which is trademark collision. So even if you're not naming your company, you've still got to name your product, you've got to do your or URL, the whole thing. You've got to do a very, very thorough trademark search. People um, do exactly what you did. They fall in love with the name. Maybe it comes from the daughter. Maybe it comes from the heavens. Who knows? Uh, they fall in love with the name of their product. They just naturally assume, well, nobody's going to have any of this. Even if they go Googling it, uh, the thing about a trademark is you've got to be really careful because suppose your trademark is, uh, you know, uh, For- Forbes, okay, uh, F-O-R-B-E-S. Uh, well, y- you know, you find, oh, there's already a Forbes out there, so I'm going to change the S to a Z. Well, you know, unfortunately, not enough. From a trademark perspective, Forbes with an S is exactly the same word as Forbes with a Z. So you've got to do a very sophisticated trademark search to make sure that nobody out there is using your brand name or anything close to your brand name to deliver a similar product or service. And this is just hugely important because if you fall in love with the name of your product, you fall in love with your brand name, uh, and you and you release the product, and then the competitor finds out that you're using it. Well, now you've got it. You've you've misstepped. You've invested in brand equity. You've you've created customer recognition, but now you've got to change. And it just becomes way more tedious and way more expensive to do that down the road. So the number one thing you can do as an entrepreneur is do not fall in love with the brand name of your product until you have done a thorough trademark search. And I'm not bucking for business here, but I got to tell you, lawyers know trademark lawyers know how to do that really well. Okay. Okay, and, they, and they're going to give you very conservative advice, and they're not going to let you launch with a name that is already in use by somebody else. Well, and you know, we've got 30 seconds before we go to a break. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to be listening to this. Trust me. Tens of thousands of dollars will be wasted, spent. You'll be confused if you don't invest in a really good lawyer. And I'm not Or more. To- you'll be invested yeah. in letterhead, credit cards, domain names, the whole thing. And before you know it, you've got to change. And, and just imagine the loss of customer equity as well. 
Oh my God. Oh, I know. So, all right. When we come back, I own the Forbes factor. You can't take it. I know you love Forbes. And I have a very funny story because obviously my name is also the name of a magazine that I don't own. Want to hear that? Stick around. (laughs) We'll have that right after the break, right here on the Forbes factor. Don't go away. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight-toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Listening to the Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Wow. Okay. So, you know, I have a thing about lawyers. Some I love, some I don't love. There's, you know, I went to college to be a lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, we're not going to talk about the difference between a lawyer and, oh, no, no, we're not going to go there. But I will tell you, Brent, Brent just, you just dropped a huge bomb on me, and I am so freaking excited I could scream. What did you just say? I always, I always drop bombs during the break, actually. Um, the bomb that I want to drop for your readers, for your listeners, is the title of a book is not protectable. So if, for example, I named my book Ownability, which is a word that I actually made up. You'd think it would be a word, but it's not. 
Um, I don't recommend that, by the way. Ownability is a rather obscure word, and it's really tough to find, and most people don't find my book because of the way it's named, as a matter of fact, but that's a completely different topic. The fact is, even though I named my book Ownability, I don't own any trademark rights in that word. I don't own any copyright in that word, and I can't prevent you from writing your own book and calling it Ownability. Uh, Just because you use a word or phrase as the title of your book, a single book, doesn't give you any right whatsoever to prevent other people uh, from using that title for their book or in any other way for that matter. It doesn't give you any trademark rights whatsoever. So, for example, if you wanted to, you could sit down today and you could write a book called Moby Dick. And uh, to the extent that anyone still has rights in, uh, in that work, they, they can't stop you from, from using that name. Wow. Again, that's fascinating because I actually have a book title similar to a a friend of mine. And I thought, oh, I really need this title. But actually, it's very funny because do not mistake what he's saying, though. So, for example, when I first launched my entire world, uh, Forbes Riley, what magazine do you think came and said, hey, uh, you might want to put a little disclaimer on you saying you're not associated with Forbes magazine. And I said, I'm happy to do that as soon as you put a disclaimer on yours that you're not associated with Forbes Riley. (laughs) Well, now, make no mistake. Forbes, as a magazine, is not a single book. Okay? So once you have a serialized, uh, you know, monthly periodical or something like that, now you're getting into something you can trademark. I'll do you one more. If I were to start a series of seminars called Ownability, come to my seminar and learn about intellectual property, I would be developing trademark rights in the word ownability. All I'm saying to you is just publishing a single book, you don't get any rights in the title. Once you make it more than that, then you do begin to accrue rights, which is why Forbes you know, has some standing when they're, when they're talking to you. Well, but I'll tell you what, that's fascinating because I will tell you, it's, and you see the little details in the law? Guys, if you're an entrepreneur, I have invested millions. I made millions on a little you know, yo-yo that I actually didn't create. Uh, somebody else did what I created was all the intellectual property around it, all the fitness products, all the exercise concept. I have, a, I have a patent. I have two patents. And I will tell you that most people, because I'm very Shark Tank oriented, I, I invest in people. I have people come to me with ideas every day. And I can take you on home shopping. I've been on home shopping in, I don't know, six different countries for 28 years. And I've done 160-something infomercials. So I can make, I've made millionaires. But people come to me every day and they don't do their homework. They don't do what Brent's talking about. And I've got to tell you, if you do not invest in him, you will be paying later. And that's the well, the thing about it, this kind of thing is easy, Riley. It's, it's, it's the stuff you do ahead of time before you never, you know, you cut, cut what, measure twice, cut once, right? I mean, this is, this is just insurance for the future so that you're not making silly mistakes. No, actually, that's not true. Most people come to me with an idea that I know, given my history now, it's like, oh, my God, you can't do it. You can't call it that. You won't want to call it that. And I will tell you a little plug for me is you got into personal branding. I will tell you that most people can't pitch what they have anyway. And they haven't come up with a good brand, so they don't think about all those things. Just do I, your homework. I, I, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I'm just saying it's a shame because it's actually pretty easy stuff to do. Yeah, but of course, I've been doing it for 25 years, so maybe it's just easy to me. It is easy <laughs> to you. I can't read contracts. It's why I made a left turn at the pre-law office and said, no, I'm going to be an actress. I would play, <laughs> I'll play a lawyer on television. As a, right. as, a former, uh, as a former computer scientist, I can tell you that the best contracts are written just like software because that's exactly what they are. A good contract, a little program, a little recipe for how to, how to run a relationship. That's all it is. In so fact, if contracts were written as clearly and plainly as most recipes, the world would be a much better place, and I'd probably be out of a job, Riley. Oh, I love you for saying that. Forbes. I'm sorry. I called yeah, you Forbes. I called you Riley. I apologize. It's, it's an odd name, and it's okay. It's a it's lovely a, name. Are you kidding? It's unique and fantastic, and I adore it. It screams money. Hey, um, talk <laughs> to me about this whole copyright thing. 
I wrote something. I, what do I do with it? Do I send it to the copyright office? Do I just send it to myself? What do you own when you write an original piece of work? Yeah, so sending it to yourself is is uh, is crazy. Don't 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 do that. Um, that doesn't really accomplish anything. Um, it, it, there's some suggestion that if you know you email it to yourself or US or FedEx it to yourself or something, you're establishing a sort of date uh, with the with the postage stamp with the uh, you know the postage cancellation or something like that. But really, if if you've written something meaningful, you should submit a copy to the Library of Congress. You should get you should register the copyright. Um, in your in in what you've written, especially if you want to prevent other people from uh, from copying it. Now the good news is, the copyright is actually there and actually applies to it while you're writing it. So if, from the minute you put pen to paper, or 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 put your fingers on the keyboard and start typing, uh, the work that you're creating is copyrighted. Um, but here's the thing: you can't sue anybody for copyright infringement until you have registered that copyright with the Copyright Office at the Library of Congress. So it's a good habit to get in if you're producing a lot of written works. Somebody on your team should be sending a lot of copyright registration applications off to uh, copyright.gov in order to obtain the copyright registration. That way, if somebody does come along and uh, infringes your copyright by copying you know, your work, you can file a federal copyright infringement lawsuit against them and you don't have to wait for the registration to come through. Um, Having said that, it's important to remember that Copyright notice is nice. If you're publishing something, you can put a little copyright notice in, a little C in a circle, uh, you know, copyright 2010, uh, Forbes Riley. Um, but that really doesn't get you anything. It's not necessary anymore. Everything is assumed to be copyrighted uh, from the moment that it is created, um, whether you put a copyright notice on it or not. What happens if you take somebody else's written material? Well, you're in trouble. Um, as a general rule, you, just because you may copy doesn't mean you can. I uh, beg your pardon. Let me. <laughs> I've got that backwards. Just because you just because you can copy, just because you have the ability to copy, uh, doesn't mean you should. Doesn't mean you may. Because uh, it, you should assume that everything you see, especially everything on the internet. Um, is owned by somebody. It's protected by copyright. And if you grab a few paragraphs of somebody else's work, drop it down into your own blog or what have you, I mean, not only are you plagiarizing at that point, um, but you're potentially committing copyright infringement. So then the question arises, well, how much? How much can I take? And the answer is, you've got to be really, really careful. There's some case law that suggests that a mere two paragraphs copied from a book was enough to result in a copyright infringement on the entire book. So... So you got to be careful. You hear these little rules of thumb, like you know, if you if you sing more than two lines of a song on TV, then you got to pay for the, the the copyright license. There's no such there's no such rule. Okay, it's it's uh, it's it's very difficult, very fact specific, and when in doubt, you should assume that you don't have permission. When in doubt, you should assume that you're going to get sued if you copy something. I, I know this is shocking news to a lot of people because a lot of people thrive on just being able to go grab stuff and cut and paste and and do that willy-nilly but unfortunately you know once you start making money once you start making suing money on the stuff that you're copying (laughs) uh, people will people will come after you that's very fascinating hey can you sue can you can you copyright a recipe so recipes are weird, right? Because they're little instruction sets. My opinion on recipes is no. You don't get a copyright on the ingredient list necessarily, okay? 
<clears throat> unless you insert some kind of creativity, some kind of flowery language. So instead of saying a pinch of salt, you say, you know, an, an angel's breath full of salt or something like that. Or, uh, you know, light, lightly whisk the, lo- lovingly whisk the egg whites until they're the color of new fallen snow. Well, that's kind of poetic, right? And that's the kind of thing that copyright is meant to protect. Um, but the more, the more, you know, pedestrian, the more prosaic, the more sort of just pure instructional the recipe is, the less protectable by copyright it is. So the short answer is no. If, if you give me a list of ingredients and tell me to bake, mix and bake at 350 degrees, that's, that's really not protected by copyright. Now, having said all that, if you're looking at grandma's cookbook and you want to go out and sort of, you know, make a cookbook of your own, my, my strong recommendation is that you rewrite those recipes in your own words before you just cut and paste, uh, you know, word-for-word copies, just to avoid that whole hornet's nest. Got it. Well, that's actually a very good, you know, piece of advice. Um, so speaking of advice, what is the biggest, pit, what, what would you advise, I don't know, you know, I've got so many entrepreneurs, so many people this weekend coming to my studio. One of the things is we're offering them the idea they can be, a, they can write a chapter and be in books and we're doing all that. What's the mm. biggest thing that you see that just people just screw up and just kind of go, God, I just wish I knew that. The biggest mistake I see entrepreneurs make, and I've been representing them now, as I say, for over 25 years, and, and let me no mistake, entrepreneurs are magical, wonderful people, and they are the people who bring us the future. Without crazy, eccentric thinkers, without entrepreneurs, we'd have no skyscrapers or Cadillacs or iPhones and would all be hanging from trees, okay? So, so I love these people, and I love their passion. The one mistake they make that I see over and over again is actually not a legal issue. It's a business issue. They don't do market validation. Okay, most of the entrepreneurs I see are convinced that their invention is the best thing since rope and the world is going to be to pass to their door and anyone would be stupid for not recognizing the value of what they have done. Now, that level of passion is an essential component, I think, to committed entrepreneurship. But the problem is you have to really test that. You have to go out to the market and you have to say, look, if I built this thing, would you buy it? And you really have to do some serious market validation to make sure there's an audience, there's a sufficient amount of people out there in the world who are feeling the pain to which your business is the medicine. And if you don't satisfy yourself that those people are out there, I got news for you. You're going to build a company, build a product, get patents, get copyrights, get trademarks. You're going to launch it onto the world and nobody's going to come to the party. And you're going to be hear crickets chirping and your investors are going to be knocking on the door. So that's a bad day. So I wholeheartedly encourage entrepreneurs to no, in no way squelch their passion. Do not reduce the amount of energy you want to put into your company, but be willing to test it before you build it. Treat it as a scientific experiment. Go out to the world and say, hey, world, what are the problems you have that I can solve? And then solve those problems that are demonstrated to you to actually be uh, existing in the audience that you want to sell to. Then you've got a winning company. And I'll tell you what, that's a much better pitch to go to investors to, okay? Because you can go to investors and you can say, uh, I've, I've invented this great new thing, which is the best new invention since rope, and uh, I know it's going to work because I just feel it in my gut. All right, that's a pitch. The next hey, pitch hey, is hey, I've invented hey, this hey, product. Wait, don't, Sorry? Don't wait. We've, got, we've got about 20 seconds to break. I'm, I'm wait, almost done. I just want to say the, the next pitch is I've invented this thing, and I've talked to 1,000 people, and they've all said they'll buy it as soon as I produce it. That's a better pitch. All right, when you come back, we come back. i got a question about crowdfunding. Um, you've been listening to the Forbes Factor. I love this conversation primarily because me I too. own a product. I've made major mistakes, lost and found lots of money, and this man could have helped me. So is that a pitch for him? Yeah, he's actually going to give away a free hour of – of legal services, so stay tuned. You'll find out how right after this. Don't go away. 
sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save $20 today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Listening to the Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. You know, I'm surprised we don't, I get a lot of written comments after the fact, but I will tell you. If you want to promote your business, be heard around the world, connect, I would take that opportunity and call in and ask questions. I love when people do that, and we have amazing responses. In fact, Brent's going to give away his book. I'm going to say that maybe we do that. Uh, would you like to give your website, and the first three people who call you, or however you want to handle that? What, what's the website you go to? Uh, you can go to myownability.com. You can also go to my blog at brentbritton.com. With an O, as in, oh my goodness, this is good stuff. <laughs> okay, so that's one of the things I specialize in. I created a thing called the hundred and one thousand dollar handshake, where you, when you say your name, you leave that impression. So my name is Forbes. Forbes Riley. Forbes is in the magazine. You don't need to say anything yep. else after. Yep. And I'm now, given what you just told me, your name is Brent Britton, as in you Brent over backwards to speak to an audience. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes, indeed. Crazy. All right. Well, I've got a woman on the line actually. Uh, who is going to chime in on this conversation. And, and to my beautiful engineer, if you don't mind opening up the, the phone, I think we can do a three-way, and I mean that in, in the best sense. Um, <laughs> but 
we're talking about trademarks and copyrights. And one of the things that she does, as I do, is to make products overseas. Uh, yeah. And so Brent was just talking about people who come to the table going, I've got the best things since sliced bread, but they've never introduced it to anybody. So, Lindsay, are you there? Hi, Forbes. How are you? I'm awesome. Now, Lindsay, you've sold millions and millions of products around the world, yes? Yep. Lots how, of do you, how do you know that a product is something that people want? Well, I think uh, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you shouldn't sell anything unless people are jumping over the table for it, of course. But, uh, you know, usually it has some sort of a problem solution for the most part. Um, occasionally things have like a niche factor where people just sort of want it, you know, like we see this in fashion. But usually I think it solves the problem. Uh, you know, I think that's probably the, the things you've sold have mostly been like that. Isn't that right? Well, actually, uh, you know, it's why I've sold millions. It's why we've both done very well. But Brent represents... Uh, he's a lawyer who talks about trademarks and copyrights, and his book is Ownability. And, Brent, have you ever had a product gone or one of your clients go to home shopping ever? You know, I don't, I don't, think, uh, I don't think I've had the pleasure, actually. Well, I'll tell you, it's quite an interesting animal where you are judged per minute. Literally, if you're not selling between two dollars and $5,000 a minute, you get to go home and never come back. Yes, yes, I've, I've seen the movie. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> Lindsay and I are doing another one. That was a small version of what really goes on. Yeah, very cool. No, most of my most, most of my clients tend to be uh, sort of deep technology clients. A lot of software, not stuff that you generally see on uh, on HSN. But uh, hey, I'm I'm wide open to helping anybody. Hey, Super, what's one of your favorite infomercial products aside from Spin Gym and Jacqueline Juicer and the Delete Cleaner and other things that I'm responsible for? Hand hand. No, but seriously, what what's an infomercial product you love? Are you asking me? Yeah. Jeez, uh, you know, i got to tell you, Forbes, I'm not sure that I'm even competent to do that. I, I've been zapping uh, television commercials and infomercials forever. But, um, you know, one of the things that I loved as a kid, and this wasn't an infomercial, but this was one of those Ronco products that you used to see uh, in the interstitials between cartoons on Saturday morning was the In the Egg Egg Scrambler. I always thought that was the coolest thing ever. And, in fact, we bought one in my house. Didn't quite work out as well as we thought it would as represented on the commercial, but I always thought that was a kick-ass idea. All right, well, I actually have a, I'm, going to, I'm going to do a plug. At any, and you know what? If you guys go to free gift from Forbes, you're going to hear more about this product. Uh, but Lindsay has a product. Do you drink wine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Buy the bottle. So, well, buy the bottle. That's good as opposed to buy the box. Exactly. Um, <laughs> do, you, um, do you ever have a problem with the cork? Does it ever like break or kind of get weird when you try to get out of the bottle, put it between your legs, and hit yourself in the face or something? There, there, there was there was a day when I encountered that kind of thing. Yeah, but I've come a, I've become a bit more adept at cork removal in my in my uh, middle age. But uh, sure, I'm familiar with the problem. Lindsay, tell them what you got. Well, you know, you're a lawyer. You got to drink away all of those those sorrows. So you're probably a veteran <laughs> at opening and closing bottles, but. For the rest of us uh, that have a little harder time, I was a, a professional sommelier before I got in the product world, and um, <clears throat> and it, it was really, you know, it was really hard to to be like on the floor of a restaurant and have to open a bottle of wine over and over and over and over again as a sommelier, you know, or a waiter, you know, a bartender. It takes a lot of effort, especially when you're doing it, you know, ten, fifteen hours a day sometimes. Sure. So I came up with a product that basically it has an air pressure chamber, but you just pump the cork, you basically place a needle into the cork and you pump the bottle and air goes in and it pushes the cork up. So it's really easy to use. It only takes a couple of pumps and the cork pops right out. It's called the Bottle Rocket and it's on Very HSN. Cool. 
and uh, it has like a little wine tasting set with it. So you can kind of do, you know, use it to do everything you need to enjoy wine. Basically, there's an aerator, a foil cutter, and a vacuum stopper. In case you can't finish a whole bottle of wine, we can't be friends, but you can. Yeah, I'm not really sure what those pe- who those people are who actually can't finish a whole bottle of wine, but anyway. I understand okay. they yeah. exist. Okay, like, okay, Tito, we're over here. Don't, don't need to insult me. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you wouldn't be opening wine in the first place. See, there you go. You're not, you're not wasting anything. There you go. But I'll tell you what, I would love to hear from some of our, our audience about maybe a product that they would love to get out to the world. Lindsay's very well connected to that world. And then we can also trademark a copyright and get you very protected. This has been a really fun show, guys. You know what? You could potentially even patent it, but we can save that for another time. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that is uh, – Lindsay, how many patents do you have? I have two, um, and I'm, I'm a co-owner on a couple of other ones that I've either bought or become a partner on, but I have two of my own. Um, what I've found, actually, that's more important, at least in my industry, and, again, patents are important, in that, and I would never stop someone from getting one, but it's really trademarks uh, and even copyright. You know, I've had my own legal battles with bigger companies and, and different things than me, and I can tell you that having the copyright for a, a pitch or a presentation, um, having a trademark that's really solid for a name or a, or a, a slogan or a logo um, is very, very, very important. Because in our business, there's a lot of products that you kind of have seen before, right? And they come back, they come back again. We kind of call them like old gold, if you will. And, and I've been always one of those people that is really believes that it's, it's not so much the product, sometimes it's the pitch. And that pitch is so powerful because, again, if you don't know how to sell it, people don't really, you know, want it necessarily. If they don't understand why they need it, if you can't meet it. No doubt about it. You know, it's just a product. But those trademarks, I can tell you right now, um, have been really that $300 fee (laughs) has been the the reason why I've made several hundred thousand or millions of dollars, you know, in different situations because I was the one that did it. You know, I was smart enough not to put it out until I had it done. And I would just just hasten anyone out there with an item, trademark, 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 call this guy, get one done because it is, like, the number one most important thing above anything else. And you know, you make an excellent speech, point, too, which is wrong. that intellectual property alone <laughs> doesn't, doesn't make a successful company. You've got to put, put the rest no. of the energy in. No, I'm just well, so you guys have to... Wait, we have one minute to the end of the show. If you're listening right now and you're an entrepreneur, you've got the perfect trifecta here. You might want to reach out to me. Because if you've got an idea, you've got a guy who can trademark, patent it, you got a girl who can source all of it, and you got me who can teach you how to pitch it and maybe even sell it for you. That sounds like a winning multi-million dollar idea. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Well, sounds good. Well, I want to thank you both. I'm looking forward to an amazing 2018. It seems very promising um, after a lot of crazy stuff's happened in all of our lives. Uh, tonight, tomorrow night's my for Forbes Factor. I hope to see both of you there. And I'll tell you what, if you're listening to the show, the best thing you can do is come to a live event. If you're somebody who's stuck and wondering how to take your business to the next level, Forbes Factor is probably maybe what you're missing. Who knows? All right, I'm Forbes Riley. You know I believe in you, and I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.